my goal for this business was not to just generate a ton of money, but it was actually to help and empower others going back to my original mission. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Beer, and alongside of me is my co-host, Ed Fletcher. And we're next up. Ed, how you doing today? I am doing fantastic, Mike. Today, our guest, his name is AJ Eckstein. Uh, AJ is a USC graduate. Uh, he started his own career consulting company where he guides individuals on their paths to success. AJ, how are you? Awesome. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. AJ, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, so to get started, we like to ask our guests uh, the same question we, we ask everybody, and it, it kind of pertains to our brand. Um, so what inspires you to be next up? I would say the, the main thing that inspires me to be next up is the responsibility that I have with myself to empower others. I think I first got a taste of what it was like to give back when I was at USC and I was trying to figure out, I was a transfer student and I was trying to figure out how to best get involved. But a lot of the involvements were more so resume boosters and there really wasn't an opportunity to give back and make an impact and really share my story with what I wanted to do. So I actually left all of the involvements and started something of my own called the Latino Business Student Association. My mother and her side of the family is from Mexico City. She was an immigrant from Mexico, first gen student. And I just learned throughout my life about all of the, the toughest parts of her life and, you know, being a transfer student is not easy either. And a ton of our members were first gen transfer students, unrepresented backgrounds. A lot of their parents, you know, didn't go to college or maybe they weren't in the business world. So it was really hard to get advice. So the LBSA was the first time where I was able to lead an organization. We had about 14 executive board members. We had five corporate sponsors and over 150 general members. And that all sounds great and all. And it was an amazing experience. But the, the biggest part about that that I really loved was getting feedback from our members saying, if it wasn't for you and the organization and, you know, introducing you to this recruiter, teaching you how to write a resume, I would have never gotten this internship that led to a full-time job that led to, you know, an amazing career. So that was kind of part one, learning about empowering others. And it was, it was amazing because of course, you know, you get to help others. And I also get to help myself add to my story. And I was also indirectly, you know, networking and, and recruiting while, while doing that. So it was an amazing experience. That was the majority of my time at USC. And then once I graduated, um, and I graduated during a pandemic, I call myself a virtual grad. Unfortunately, we didn't get that in-person graduation. And there are a lot of things that's happened for everyone in the world in the last, um, I would say last year. And I, I really f uh, felt like I had a responsibility to continue to give back and pay it forward. And I really wanted to focus on the career development side because so many people, and I'm sure you guys have friends uh, who got internships rescinded, they got laid off from their jobs. And it was such a, and it still is such a tough time. So I started doing some career coaching on the side and it actually just had this ripple effect. And I got so busy to the point where I said, let me turn this into a business. Um, and I actually can start growing the business and also have a greater reach to help others. So that turned into the career coaching company where we offer one-on-one -on -one live tailored coaching for recent grads, focusing primarily on consulting and investment banking. And it's been an amazing journey. We've worked with over 75 students and young professionals, been able to place everyone and have hundred percent satisfaction rate. And then the third and last one and kind of where I'm at today is I actually recently launched a podcast similar to you guys. Um, and it's called the final round podcast. And what we do is I actually interview company recruiters at top companies like Google, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, Boston Consulting Group. And we share insight as to why certain candidates get quote unquote knocked out and others are still standing after the final round. So I just want to continue that mission to kind of spread the word and help others with their career journey. Yeah, that's a 
It's a, it's a cool title for the podcast. I like it a lot. Thank you. Um, do you think, kind of going back to what you said before, do you think you would have started a career consulting company if there was no pandemic? Or do you think it kind of was brought on by that? That's a great question. What I would say is I always had the idea, but I think that given that there was so much free time, my full-time job got pushed back over six months. I was planning to travel in the summer before I started my full-time job. Obviously those travel plans got canceled. So I was basically sitting there and saying, I have all this free time. I just graduated with a great degree and I have job security in the future, but what am I supposed to do with my time? Right. A lot of people, you know, some people were complaining about all this free time. I'm the type of person to say, if I have free time, which is rare for, for a lot of people, I'm going to make sure I can maximize it, um, grow professionally. Uh, Cause I, I feel like I'm an entrepreneur. I love to, to grow and, and build businesses and organizations, but more importantly, help others. And I thought it was a great way to kind of do both. And to answer your question, if it wasn't for COVID, I would have never started the career co- uh, coaching company and I would have never been able to help so many students. So I would say that there is, you know, a positive to very negative situations like COVID. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people have the same kind of story about how they, their job was held back and they had nothing to do. So they started something and then that's uh it's, it's light in the darkness, you know? Definitely. Um, so back to your, your career consulting company, everyone has, has a different story. And you said you've been able to place a hundred percent of your clients. How do, how do you do that? What's the secret? Yeah. So I would say that when we were doing some market research and we were looking at what else was out there to help students who wanted to essentially have someone help them throughout this journey. And I, I think that schools that have career centers are great and they do, they do a good job, but it wasn't tailored enough, right? If you're trying to get into investment banking or consulting, two of the most sought after industries outside of most schools, especially business schools, you're going to get help from someone who has never been in the industry. So we thought, okay, there is definitely a, a need here to essentially match students with people who have already gotten their dream job and they can essentially tailor their approach to, to how to get that job. But more importantly, we had the decision early on, do we go down the pre-recorded content side, which is definitely much more scalable, right? And I just basically can interview or I can record myself for two hours, five hours, 10 hours, talking about how to break into consulting. I sell it to you for a price and you know, you're good to go. Or we can do 100% live coaching. And that's what we actually ended up choosing. And the reason why is because my goal for this business was not to just generate a ton of money, but it was actually to help and empower others going back to my original mission. And the way to really achieve that goal, and we're still continuing to to reach new students and help is with that one-on-one live coaching. Because if I give you guys advice and it's pre-recorded, right? It's just generic advice. It's not how, you know, Ed or Michael, how you guys specifically, what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you're trying to do for your career. So that's why we said, we don't care about scaling right now. We want to just prove out the, the model, make sure that we can really help everyone and grow slowly. And that's how we've been able to achieve the hundred percent satisfaction rate growing slower, but having a more tailored approach and getting excellent feedback. Right. So AJ, um, how many students have you, have you placed so far into internships? Yeah. So, so internships and jobs, um, okay. we've placed about 75, uh, students and young professionals in the last, I would say eight months. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool is that I've actually had the privilege of working with, with some professionals who are older than me. And it's definitely a, a daunting task when you're working with someone who is, you know, post MBA or five to 10 years older than you. But I think the concepts that you learn throughout the process are applicable to no matter what age you are, 
uh, going for a, a internship or job. Right. I think 75 out of 75 is really impressive. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, Thank definitely. You. Um, next up is introducing a new segment in our podcast called the question of the week from our listeners. And our first listener who submitted a question is Annie Tamiyanka. Annie submitted a question and she wanted to know from AJ, um, where do your students come from? Well, it's great to be part of, of this new initiative with Next Up and be the, the first guest to answer that, uh, that question of the week. And thank you, Annie, for your question. And what I would say is that given that, you know, I was from USC, I graduated, graduated from USC, some of our other team members are from USC. So our initial soft launch was at USC just because we know the school better, obviously, than others. So a majority of our students early on were from USC. But I think that, again, one of the benefits of what's happened in the shift of the work from home and the whole virtual school and even this interview, right? I mean, I would, I'm in LA, you guys are in New York, I'd have to fly to New York or you guys would have to fly out here. It's a logistical nightmare, right? We're doing it virtually. So we've actually been able to work with not just USC students and not just students in the US, but students across the world. I mean, literally last weekend, I was helping a student from Australia, uh, Sydney, Australia, helping him with a final round interview to get into a, a company. I, I can't say the company, but it was such a, a cool experience because, again, I would never be able to have that reach to help students across the world if it wasn't for this virtual environment. And even hosting, we host a lot of webinars. And uh, two weeks ago, I spoke at a webinar helping uh, students in this organization in Canada, in Ontario, right? So mm -hmm. I think that reach is, is so unique. And we are not looking at this as just a, a USC model, but we, we don't even care as much about just one school. We want to be as big as possible so we can have the greatest reach and help as many students and professionals that we can. Yeah. So when you say, when you say live coaching, obviously it's, it's over Zoom, right? Or video yes. conferencing? Yeah. So live as in the person on the other side of the screen is, is actually there. It's not pre-recorded. Right. Talking to you. Right. Okay. Yes. Do you think after everything is kind of normal, more people start to get the vaccine, you think you're going to open maybe like an office where people actually come in person? Or do you think you'll stick with the video conferencing, depending on where they live, of course? It's a great question. I would say right now, we don't have any plans to do that just because the costs are, are pretty high to open up an office. You have right. rent, you have you know utilities, insurance, overhead, things like that. What I would say is that the feedback that we've received Again, we have 100% satisfaction rate from our from the students and professionals that we work with. So, you know, we're going with the quote of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right. kind of things are rolling right now. So we want to just build out the model. But I think longer term, it would make sense to have the opportunity to go in person um, if, if the students or professionals do prefer that versus virtual. Um, okay. So AJ, you started your own, own uh, career coaching company mm -hmm. through, this, through this pandemic. Do you have any... Uh, business startup or career advice for young individuals trying to do the same thing? My biggest piece of advice would, would, would be that look at what everyone else is doing and do something a little bit differently. Because if everyone is saying you need to get a good GPA, you need to do this, you need to do that. You're just falling into the trap of, you know, competing in this bigger pool, trying to go through the front door. Right. But if you get creative and strategic with how you outreach to professionals, you know, how you differentiate yourself amongst a sea of, of very similar candidates, you're able to what I call go through the backdoor entry, right? And I think a great example is that, you know, we've worked with students who have three sevens, three eights, three nines out of 4.0, and that's amazing, right? And you check that box of, okay, you know, academically, you are qualified, that's great, but what else do you have? And they say, and sometimes students say, well, I'm so busy with school, I don't have time to get involved. 
So our advice is take a step back. And I'm not saying tank your GPA. Your GPA is still very important, but move some of your resources and reallocate it to getting involved on campus. And I am such a big advocate of getting involved on campus or even interning during the, during the semester of the academic year, because there are so many additional benefits compared to just the, the GPA. Let me, let me explain what that means, mm-hmm. right? So if you get involved, and what I mean by getting involved is not just being a member, right? Anyone can be a member in anything. You pay your dues, you apply, you show up, right? Super easy. But being a little bit more than a member as a director of marketing to host the events, right? Or to be the VP or the president to actually run the organization. And it adds to your story, right? Both through your resume, your LinkedIn, and in an interview. When I say, Michael, tell me about a time that you led a team. You're like, well, guess what? I'm the president of this organization, right? Or Ed, tell me about a time that you collaborated with others. Oh, well, I'm the director of marketing and I have five people on my marketing team. Let me tell you about that, right? So it really helps with with that side of of recruiting. It also helps with building up your soft skills, right? So not only are you answering those questions, but you're actually learning outside of a classroom how to really apply things like, you know, how do you problem solve? How do you lead? How do you, you know, work with a team? And I would say the last thing about getting involved is that there is a indirect networking piece, right? So when I was running the LBSA, the Latino Business Student Association, I was in charge of reaching out to recruiters. And a lot of the recruiters that I've had in my podcast, the final round, have been the same contacts that I used to help sponsor the organization at USC. And of course, my main focus when I was president was to build the organization to help our members. But of course, indirectly, I was also networking because If I reach out to, let's say Google, right? And the recruiter says, yes, we'll sponsor you. We'll give you X amount of money. We'll host an event with your members. Of course, they're there to meet our members, but they're really there to meet our board. And then the president and the VP and the people who are really running the board, right? So if you think about, let's say the event starts at 5 p.m. Guess who's there at 3.30 or 4 p.m.? Myself, our executive board setting up. We're, you know, chatting with the recruiter, not directly, and then when the members flood in, they try to get in line. And then after the event's over, we're cleaning up, maybe picking up you know, scraps of sandwiches on the floor, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and we're indirectly networking. And then after that, let's say I do end up applying to Google five months later, it's not, hey, Google recruiter, I'm a USC student, can you give me a job? It's, hey, Google recruiter, I already worked with you, right? You saw me right. lead this team, you saw me lead this organization, it was successful, you help, I, I helped you place some of our members in your company, and you know, she already knows or he or she already knows that I'm a qualified candidate who can actually deliver more than the average member. So I would say for those three reasons, getting involved is the best way to differentiate yourself amongst candidates, especially just from your own school. Yeah, it really, it really puts you, puts you ahead of, of all the other people, especially if you, like you said, if you lead a club or something, employers are impressive, uh, incredibly impressed by that. Um, right. And I'll, Another thing too is, and to your GPA note, um, to be completely honest, and the next up listeners, you should probably know this. I'm not the brightest kid in the bunch, right? My GPA is not there, but I, I have it well balanced. I'm in everything, and I, I just I think that's super important to be balanced in what you do. Um, and, I, and you touched on that, and I, I like that a lot. I mean, the same thing, right? Indirect networking with your podcast next up, right? Let's say you reach out to a recruiter, or reach out to a hiring manager, or someone. We'll just go with Google again, right? Someone who is maybe now an associate at Google and reach out and saying, hey, can you be on the podcast, right? Of course, the goal is to deliver value, value to your audience. But at the same time, if you ever want to reach out to that person again and you get, you get a, you know, strike some, uh, some conversation before and after about 
what you guys, but Ed and Michael are doing, right? You're going to be ahead of someone who is just reaching out coldly. So I really do believe that getting involved and whether it's through a student organization, launching a podcast and really building out what you're, you're inspired to do and, and your mission to, to make a difference in the world is just such a big asset versus the GPA. I mean, I've even applied to, come to uh, internships and jobs where I didn't check off every box like a required GPA or you hear about these target GPAs. But if you're a few you know, decimal points off and that's not a strength on your, on your resume or application, how do you supplement that? And I said, I'm gonna get hyper-involved, be more involved with 10 involvements than the next person who's just a member. So I totally agree with you, Michael, about what you were saying that GPA is important, but it's not the end all. There are other things to really strengthen your application. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and and in addition to be able to, in addition to being being able to put that on your resume, you're you're also learning how to how to how to manage and lead other people and how to coordinate. And uh, those are definitely life skills that you're going to need for your future internship or job. I took. I mean, one of our required classes in the Marshall School of Business at USC was. I think it was leadership and organization. Yeah. Right. And it's, it was a great class. It was interesting and it's a lot of by the book, but the most experience, the best experience that I've had with running a team and leading an organization was leading the LBSA, right. Is running career coaching company or CCC because it's real world application, right? Yes. It's an, maybe an organization and for LBSA, not a business, but you learn so much throughout that process. And if you are someone who, has thought about entrepreneurship, there's no better way than starting with a student organization because it's more or less the same thing. And you can think of, you know, revenue coming in as membership dues to pay ends meet or to make ends meet. You also need sponsorship sometimes. And yes, it's, it's not a for-profit organization, but your goal should be, how do I have the best experience for our members? How do I retain our members? How do I acquire more members? How do we grow the organization? How do we, you know, collect awards from the school? So there's so many metrics that you can you can focus on, but I totally agree with what you were saying in that it's just so important to get involved. AJ, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I, I, I know we, you're in California, so it's difficult, but um, we, again, we really appreciate it and we hope to make you next up.